Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever done something when you thought you were in private only to realize that someone was watching you? It can be an embarrassing experience when you realize you're being watched. In today's message, Pastor Jim reminds you that you are almost always in the company of non-believers. Your behavior around others should be a reflection of your transformed life in Christ. Live your life as if you have been transformed from the inside out by the redemptive power of Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Genesis chapter 26 as he continues his message, God's Faithful Presence. What does the Lord say to him? Isaac, just stop, sit down. He doesn't lecture him but he reminds him of the great promises that he made to Abraham and all of his descendants. descendants. And he says, Isaac, you're his son. These promises are for you. That's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the promises, not about the problem that's right in front of you. And once again, the greatest promise of all, I will be with you. God's faithful promise to be with his people. God's faithful presence in your life and in mine. Now, that does not negate human responsibility. If he goes to Egypt, will God go with him? Probably. But that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. But our responsibility is to obey the call of God and to trust the Lord. Verse 7, and the men of the place asked about his wife. That's the same thing that happened to Abraham, right? So this is like he, the, the movie is being replayed. He knows the story. He knows the way it didn't turn out so well before. And he said, she is my sister. That's the same thing Abraham did. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. So he's got a beautiful wife, and, but he's afraid that the guys in the land are going to kill him to, to get his wife. I mean, that would be, that would be you know, easy enough to do. So just, just, to, just to settle everything, just so you guys know. Uh, Pam is not my wife. She's my sister, okay? <laughs> so don't kill me, right? So um, in the last chapter, Rebecca was pregnant, but remember, the Bible writers are not so concerned with order like we are. So we could be out of order here. I mean, if she was pregnant, that would have been easy for them to see, right? She had twins. That would be really easy to see. If there's a bunch of little kids running around going, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy, that would have been easy enough to see. But again, if the king wants to take Isaac's wife away from him, all he has to do is kill him. That's pretty easy, right? It's pretty easy. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. But he would rather give up his wife than his life. I mean, what do you say? Sorry, babe. Got to keep the family line going. God's promises, right? God said, I got to keep making babies, so I'll just have to find another woman, right? Once again, the question we all face, can God be trusted to keep his promises? That's going to be a constant thing that stares us in the face all the time. 
Can God be trusted to keep his promises that he makes to his people? Now, before you say yes, we have to think about it a little bit. Do we have faith to believe that? When, when you know the promises of God and life does not look good to you, are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to let life play itself out? Or are you going to do what Abraham did and now what Isaac is doing? You're going to help God out. You're going to help God out. How many of you know that God does not need your help? Just how many of you know that? Only one hand, I'm double hand, right? God does not need your help. We get to serve God, but he does not need our help. Um, how many of you know that uh, we don't get God onto our timeline? Yes, we all know that. And so, yeah, God doesn't need to get on our timeline. But I'll t- again, I'll tell you that I have learned over the years through many a hard lesson that with the awareness of God's presence comes God's protection. Now, does that mean everything has gone wonderful for me? No, absolutely no. But I would much rather be safe in God's hands than out on my own. And so with his presence comes protection. Now, do not try to figure out how God delivers because that's just going to drive you batty. Now, I'm not saying you don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying you don't do what's right for you. But, but that will drive you batty. Let me give you a couple examples. Moses and God's people were stuck in Egypt. And so how did God deliver them? Plagues. Plagues. Abraham and Sarah, how were they delivered from the, the, the prior Abimelech? God terrorized him in a dream. Isaac and Rebekah, how's it going to work out for them? Actually, pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary. So it can be all different kinds of ways that God is going to come to our aid. Verse 8 says, Now it came to pass when he, Isaac, had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Now some of your versions say they were laughing together. Some of your versions say they were, he was caressing her. Some other versions I will not say because we want to keep this PG-13. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. All right? So something was afoot. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain or slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So here's the thing. Isaac was obeying God where he lived, but not now. Very interesting thing. I mean, if you remember the story of Abraham, God said to Abraham, you know your son that you waited all those years for? I want you to go kill him. I want you to sacrifice him. And so at the very last minute, God shows up with a sacrifice for them, and, and so he saves that. But now you think, you would think the guy would be like, well, if I survive that, I can survive anything. But now he's got these doubts, and, and he's like, he's fearful. So he says, well, she's my, she's my wife. 
And, and it's easy for us to critique him, but I think if we're honest, that it takes a lot less for us to disobey the Lord when doubts arise, doesn't it? It takes a lot less than this than being fearful of your life. How often do people choose what's best for themselves over what's best for others or over their service to the kingdom of God? How often, like Isaac, do we forget the promises of God that we just heard? I mean, God just told them. We joke about it. It's, and, and it, it's funny, but it's not. You come into church, you hear a word from the Lord. You're like, I heard from the Lord today. Yes. Right? And, and you know, you, by the time you hit Route 80, you forgot it already. And then some of you, God help you, take Route 46, forget it. <laughs> I mean, it's just gone. Some of you get to the top of the parking lot, and you're like, what was that promise? What was that? What was that you said, God? That's why it's, it's helpful sometimes to write things down. I mean, humans, we can be so self-centered. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to be so much kinder to people, right? And then you're like the person in front of you is trying to make a left going up Route 15. You're honking your horn. Come on, come on. <laughs> Some of you are like, did, did parking lot guys report me to him or something like that? Selfishness is something that needs to be snuffed out of our lives. But I think fear is much more difficult. When you're afraid, it is really, really hard to obey the Lord, and we have to really pray for faithfulness. Yet, when we're fearful, I have found it helpful to, to look at the cross, and you can see at the cross just how serious God is about protecting you. I mean, you're at the cross, our sins are forgiven. So the wrath of God for sin is on Jesus. So what is Jesus protecting us from? From God's wrath. And so God's like, that's how serious I am. I, I am very serious about protecting my people. Now, it may not be all in this life, but eventually you will come to see what that is. Often people say stuff like this, God exposes our sins. But I think more often than not, like it is here for Isaac, we do it ourselves. I mean, we're just, we, we expose our sins. Eventually they will, they will come out. Yet notice this. I mean, this is, this is such an embarrassing scene for him. It's the pagan king who extends grace to Isaac. He's the one who says, he says, you know, what are you doing? And instead of killing him, he extends forgiveness to him and he protects Isaac. He's doing the work of God in Isaac's life. The pagan king is, is the one who is the defender of truth, not Isaac. All he wants to do is he lies to save himself. And then we do that and we wonder why it backfires. God says, all right, I'm going to do this for you, okay? You know this is wrong. Don't do this. And then, well, you can picture Isaac, well, at least I didn't go down to Egypt, right? Like making excuses. I'm not as bad as other people. And then God says like, nope, you, we're going to flush this out. Now, if you consider yourself to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, 
it's very important that we all remember this. There is always some unbeliever looking through the window. <laughs> there is always someone who is watching you. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men. What light is that? The light of the gospel, the light of the grace of God in your life. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That is a very serious on the job, in the home, in school, in the streets, word of the Lord for all of us, that someone is always watching and that people need to see Jesus in us. They need to see the light of Jesus in us. How about the fact here that when it comes down to living a righteous life, that the unbelieving Philistines are more decent than God's people, more decent than Isaac. I mean, just could imagine Abimelech. He's like, come here, come here. You said that was your sister, right? Yeah, yeah, that's my sister. And then Abimelech going, I got a sister and I don't kiss her like that, bro. <laughs> I mean, that, that is uncool, man. That is uncool. And, and look at the penalty that the guy says. Hey, anybody who touches Isaac or his wife, you shall surely be put to death. So who is the guy who is holding up marriage? The unbeliever. He's the guy who puts the high value on marriage. Isaac puts the whole city at risk to save his own neck. I mean, how different than Jesus who sacrificed himself to save the whole world. Complete opposite. This raises an important point for Isaac and for all of us. And we were talking about this in our recovery group that our hearts, Jesus said, are the roots of all kinds of evil. And he lists this, this long list of, of sins that just come out of our hearts. And how often others take the back seat to our desire for the aisles of our lives. We'll, we'll put others to the side for our, for our wants, for our desires, for our comfort, for our own personal safety. I mean, think about it. Why don't we share the gospel with people? Why don't we offer to drive people to church? I know we used to invite people to church. That doesn't work anymore. Now you just got to show up in their driveway, right? You're like, come on, church is at 9.15. They're like, oh, I'm not ready. You go, no problem. There's one at 11 too. <laughs> and so we don't, we don't do that. Why, why, don't, why don't we serve people? Are we afraid of people? Do, oh, we just want to be nice. We just want to be nice. Is it really nice to not lovingly care about the souls of people? Is it really nice not to care about where people will spend eternity? I mean, the thing is really, do you believe the good news of the cross of Christ? Do you believe that the gospel, the trusting in Jesus is the only way to heaven to receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life? Do you really believe that if the Holy Spirit called you, he can call anybody? Or do you think you're so special? 
You're special because God called you. But if God could call you, he could call anybody. This is a concept for everyone in the room. Again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is for you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you too. I mean, we see it here with Isaac. When you stop fearing God, and that's what happened to him here. When you and I stop fearing God, you start fearing so many other things. And you start fearing people too. Now that may sound odd to you, but when you fear God, when you revere God, when you respect God, when you desire to obey God, your fear level will decrease because you will realize that your life is in God's hands. Isaac is the leader of a whole group of people. But when the fear of man overpowers the fear of God, it becomes all about you. You can make a billion excuses about it, but it becomes all about you. When we get into the mode of self-protection, taking everything personally, we're not free to serve the Lord, are we? We're just in that, in that, in that jail cell of fear. I cannot tell you over the years how many amazingly gifted people, amazingly gifted people that I have seen who did not blossom because instead of the fear of the Lord and the reverence for the Lord, they had the fear of people and they lost the fear of God. Just, I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, people gifted off the charts. And you're just like, man, they just were so afraid of what people thought of them. And so how do we fix it? We remember Jesus in the cross. We remember that Jesus did not fear people. We remember that saving himself was not important to Jesus. Jesus' focus was the glory of God and the salvation of your soul. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, that can be you tonight. If you will turn to God and say, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to live your way, not my way. And I want to put my trust in Jesus instead of myself. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus said this about himself, for even the son of man, his favorite name for himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, there's your cross, a ransom for many. So what is a ransom? A ransom is what you, paid when you pay when someone is kidnapped. So what did Jesus do? He paid the ransom to bring you back to God. That's what he did at the cross. You say, well, I'm still, I'm still kind of afraid. I don't know what God's going to do with my life. <laughs> That's half the fun. <laughs> So I don't, I don't know what God's going to do with my life. Romans 8.31, the Apostle Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Really? If God's for you, what, what can anybody really, really do to you? You know, you say, well, they can kill me, but they can't kill your soul, can they? Jesus said they can Verse 12 says, then Isaac sowed or planted seed for crops in that land and reaped in the same year a, a, a hundredfold. So there's a huge harvest, right? So they're in a, in a place where there's a famine, but he throws out seed and there's a huge harvest. And the Lord blessed him. 
Why did he bless him? He lied. He didn't tell the truth. Why did he bless him? Because he said he would in verse three. That's why. That's why. Verse 13, the man began to prosper. Some verses say he got, was getting rich and continued prospering. He kept getting richer until he became very prosperous and he was getting very, very wealthy for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants and everybody was so happy with his success. That's not what it says up there. So the Philistines envied him. <laughs> Notice, despite Isaac's sin and failure, God was with him, and God kept his promises. God blessed him in a famine. Now, because of the famine, Isaac left the promised land and ended up in Philistine territory, lied about his wife, and and I got to tell you something. This is a foreign concept to probably many of you. It's certainly a foreign concept to many people who do not understand one little bit about the grace and the goodness and the kindness of God. Isaac was out of God's will and he was blessed. Yes, I just said that. He was out of God's will. He goes to the place where he's not supposed to be. He's telling lies and he is blessed. All because of why? Because God keeps his promises to his children. Now, there are consequences. God will ultimately keep his promises, but there are consequences. Now, the Philistines are not too happy with him. They envied him. You come to our land, you lie to us, you plant crops, and now you're the richest guy in town. We're not too happy with that. Now, maybe some of the famine was spreading all over the place, and maybe these people are wondering what's going on. Yet Isaac's crop was huge. His animals, many. Servants, people who worked for him, many. He was rich. What is this? This is a great picture of heaven. It's a great picture of heaven. What's, gonna, what's heaven going to be? A bunch of sinners a bunch of failures, a bunch of ordinary people who are filthy, filthy rich because of the promises of God. That's what it's going to be. Verse 15, now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father, Isaac's father, uh, father's servants, Abraham, had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth, they filled them in with dirt. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Some of you have heard say, you're too powerful now. Verse 17, then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So he settled there, lived there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water. So he's reopening wells, which uh, they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well or a spring of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of that well Esek, that means contention. But they quarreled or they argued with him. Then they dug another well 
and they quarreled over that one also. Now, let's just stop there for one second. The Philistines are not pictured in the Bible as the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? They're kind of, they're not too bright. So they had all these wells with water in them. So what'd they do? They filled them in with dirt. <laughs> so Isaac just goes, well, I know where they were. I was a kid when my dad dug them. I'm just going to go tell you where. He goes right to them. It's not like he's searching for them. He digs them up and they're like, hey, we filled those in with dirt. And he's like, well, I guess you didn't need the water or something like that. So he called the name Sitna. That word means hostility. And he moved from there and dug another well. You know what he's doing? I love this. He's not giving up, is he? And they did not quarrel over it. So I guess he's far enough away. So he called its name Rehoboth. Now, Rehoboth either means spacious or a beach in Delaware. (laughs) Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.